Chapter six part one of a defence of idealism by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter six The New Realism Part one Section one. We have seen that after heroic struggles, neither pragmatism nor humanism succeeded in shaking itself wholly free of the abhorred unity in their exclusive concern with conduct and morality both betray a strong subjective bias fatal to the pretensions of a philosophy that is out against subjectivism in all its forms we have seen that their too great zeal for goodness and the ultimate triumph of goodness defeated its own end and left them with a universe on their hands in which goodness had neither metaphysical sanction nor logical ground and so far from being a reality is not even that which to every pragmatist and humanist is a miserable makeshift for reality an idea i had got so far when it was pointed out to me that to deal faithfully with these philosophies is to slay the slain and that my time would be very much better employed in considering the new realism which has nothing in common with them but its abhorrence of unity it was also pointed out to me that the claims of the new realism are so well founded that there is no likelihood or even possibility of monism raising its head again and that the mysterious snark ultimate reality has disappeared from the universe i gathered that this time there can be no more temporizing no more fooling about with relativity no more fencing and dodging and no more playing fast and loose with the law of contradiction no more sheltering of reality behind appearances no more conjuring with the unity of consciousness in short that all the little games of monism are played out it is a case of either swallowing the new realism or being swallowed with no possible doubt as to the actual issue there is nothing for it but to approach the monster with as bold a front as is possible for a devout monist inwardly quivering with fear it must be confessed that he is in some danger for the new realism is before all things a mathematical method and it cannot be said that every monist is as strong in mathematics as by the nature of his case he ought to be still he will do himself no good by ignoring the gravity of his position he has got to look he has cleared his mind of kant whether he spells it with a small c or a big k now he cannot look it squarely in the face until he has stripped himself of every prejudice that clings to him until he has got rid of the traditions he has been born and bred in for the monist is usually born not made until he has cleared his mind of kant whether he spells it with a small c or a big k he must i think acknowledge that his real live and formidable enemies are not the dualism of messrs dewey and schiller nor yet the pluralism of mr william james but the pluralism of mr bertrand russell mr g e moore mr alexander and the new realists of the united states at the same time it would have argued a most unreasonable negligence to have ignored the brilliant and powerful work of mr james and mr schiller by their very brilliance and their power and the grace of their appeal to the thought and feeling of the plain man 
they are likely to hold their own if not after the new realism has been forgotten at any rate long before it has begun to be remembered by the plain man the chances are that it is neither pragmatism nor humanism but the new realism that will succeed in establishing itself as the dominant philosophy of the twentieth century still they prepared its way before it they anticipated it to some extent in their criticism of abstract intellectual idealism and in their insistence on those irreducible elements of will feeling and action which abstract idealism leaves out of its account and the new realism has not been grateful to the two pioneers it comes triumphantly and relentlessly into its own and you may say its first act of power is to give both of them the coup de grace where it finds them loitering contentedly on the very road they had made smooth for it well the plain man is not going to think the worse of pragmatism for mr bertrand russell's attack on it even if pragmatism is not hereafter to be counted among serious philosophies and if humanism is in no better case to what does the new realism owe its deadly force mainly i think if not entirely to its method not to its newness for it is not by any means so new as would appear from its claim to have revolutionized philosophy much as copernicus revolutionized astronomy by taking the sun as the centre of the solar system instead of the earth indeed the new realism has gone one better than copernicus it has decentralized philosophy altogether and it has done this by applying the method of mr bertrand russell's atomistic logic to the universe without and to the universe within that is to say to the sum total of experience the first result of this searching and implacable analysis is to demonstrate that the two are by no means coterminous on the contrary you are led step by step through a series of unwary admissions to the conclusion that there is no universe within but that the sum total of the within is in a vigorous and undebatable sense part and a very small part at that of the universe without while of the universe without there is no sum total but an infinite number of kinds or classes of existences and an infinite number of existences within each class or kind the extreme pluralistic conclusion follows wherever and whenever the analytic method is applied there is no escaping it because in the last resort it rests upon a limited set of incontrovertible axioms of mathematical logic there is no escaping the extreme realistic conclusion because it also rests on an incontrovertible law of pure mathematics all mathematics in their turn flow from a score of premises of symbolic or formal logic this fact that all mathematics is symbolic logic mr bertrand russell declares to be one of the greatest discoveries of the age and he shows that it is impossible to exaggerate its importance to philosophy and its influence on the fate of monism the philosophy of mathematics he says has been hitherto as controversial obscure and unprogressive as the other branches of philosophy although it was generally agreed that mathematics is in some sense true philosophers disputed as to what mathematical propositions really meant although something was true 
no two people agreed as to what it was that was true and if something was known no one knew what it was that was known so long however as this was doubtful it could hardly be said that any certain and exact knowledge was to be obtained in mathematics we find accordingly that idealists have tended more and more to regard all mathematics as dealing with mere appearances while empiricists have held everything mathematical to be approximation to some exact truth about which they had nothing to tell us the strength of idealism has hitherto lain in the poverty of formal logic the impossibility of bringing the sacrosanct deductions of mathematics into line with deductive logic as it then existed philosophers when they looked for the cause of this mysterious divorce and contradiction between two orders of truth supposedly equally incontrovertible so far from suspecting that the machinery of formal logic might be at fault were apt to throw the entire blame on mathematics mathematics was accused of relying on axioms which were so many unproved and unprovable hypotheses they might depend on an a priori intuition or they might not in either case their boasted logical certainty was an illusion what was much worse so far as pure mathematics could be said to be certain they had no valid application to the world of experience the world of space and time all idealisms constructive or destructive are based on the ultimate inability of mathematics to defend its own position and it is claimed that with the reform of symbolic logic the perfecting of the formal machinery the bottom is knocked out of idealism for it follows that if all mathematics is symbolic logic if all the entities that occur in mathematics can be defined in terms of those that occur in the above twenty premises we have no longer got two orders of truth but one order of truth pure mathematical truth will not be purer than any other it will not constitute a different a higher holier and more certain kind of truth any unmathematical proposition that follows faithfully from the same laws of symbolic logic will be as certainly true as high and holy as mathematical truth and lest the monist should take heart and see in the great discovery a confirmation of his theory that all logic that is to say all thought all truth and therefore all existence is one it should be broken to him at once that he is doomed to disappointment this unity of supreme logical law is not a unity in which he can hope to recognize his own it is a purely formal and provisional unity so far from being any good to him it is the thin end of the wedge by which his universe is prized open torn asunder and scattered to the infinite this logic is not his logic instead of the twelve comfortable categories which he could wrap round his universe like twelve woolly blankets with the one vast eiderdown of the absolute on top it gives him a plurality of logical indefinables as hard as marbles which hurt him in all his tender places instead of the rhythmic and dynamic throb of the triple dialectic with its rich rolling song of unity and difference it gives him vibrations as multitudinous as discordant and irrelevant as the noises in a futurist symphony the new realism is before all things a method and a mathematical method 
for if there is to be any philosophy any discussion as to the nature of the known of knowing and the knower at all you must begin somewhere some axioms or at any rate one axiom must be accepted as certain if there is not to be an infinite going back upon all propositions whatever and the only certain axioms are the axioms of pure mathematics that is to say of symbolic logic if we start anywhere we must start with these starting with these pluralistic realism stands or falls by mathematical logic its four vital theories are based on it its theory of the mathematical infinite its theory of relations its theory of concepts or universals its theory of immediate perception or of our knowledge of the external world it ought not to matter which of these we take first for from each pluralistic realism will follow each leads us safely to its source in some incontrovertible law of mathematical logic but as it happens we cannot consider the realistic theory of perception apart from the theory of the infinite and the theory of relations on both of which it depends say then that we begin with immediate experience the perception of an object in space it is to say the least of it extremely debatable whether the perception of an object in space is in any sense an immediate experience but i must leave this crucial point for consideration later on i want to state the position of pluralistic realism as far as i understand it with the greatest possible clearness and cogency and for present purposes we may very well assume that the perception of an object in space is an immediate experience we must start somewhere and it is important for a proper understanding of the new position that we should start with an experience into which these three terms object space and perception enter whatever consciousness may be supposed to have done or not done originally with its sense data there comes a point when those data are referred to an object perceived as in a space external to the perceiver we know what idealism makes of this and with what plausibility it makes of it something like this let us grant that the only space in which objects are immediately known otherwise perceived is a private space which the perceiver carries about with him and that the shapes sizes lights and shades and positions of objects in this space are not absolute but relative to the position of the perceiver let us grant that the nature of pure or mathematical space has laws of its own and a nature of its own such that it is not and cannot be known in immediate perception on these two points monists and pluralists are i believe agreed now as long as it could be supposed that pure mathematical space was as much infected by illusion and relativity as any private space of yours or mine and that it was therefore a perfect hotbed of contradictions and dilemmas what applied to space applying equally to time then though the truth of all the intermediate laws of physics rested on the truth of the assumption that their space and time are real and contain no contradiction idealism was still within its rights in denying absolute and independent reality to space and time the more contradictions and dilemmas idealism could find in relations above all in the relations of space and time the better it was pleased for since there is nothing known that is not known as standing in relation to something or other except the absolute 
it could then charge the whole multiplicity of outer and inner experience with unreality and set up its absolute which is one as the only real physical science could not lift a finger to prevent this annihilation of its universe as long as the pure mathematical laws on which it rests themselves involve the very worst contradictions and dilemmas its universe of space and time matter and motion was infected at its source the most destructive of those dilemmas turned on the nature of the infinite and its relation to the finite it was argued that finite events such as motion or any other change simply could not happen because of the infinity they involved and if they are perceived as happening if they are in fact known to happen that fact goes to prove that all our perceiving and all our knowledge is of appearances and not of realities and that the only real object of a real knowledge is the absolute the motionless and unchanging one this relativity on which monism battens is found not only in the changes and motions of things but in things themselves their being is to be related take the simplest of static relations the relation of the thing and its qualities it seems obvious that if there are qualities they must be qualities of something there must be something that holds them together at least so it seems to the idealistic monist the thing and its qualities will then stand to each other as the two terms of a relation but it is evident the monist thinks that the relation must depend upon what the thing is and what qualities it has that is to say upon the nature of its two terms the relation itself will be related and doubly related we have then instead of the single chaste and simple relation that we started with a relation of dependence holding between the relation itself and each of its two terms that is to say the relation that we thought so innocent has itself given birth to two terms and a relation and that relation being likewise dependent on the nature of its terms will be likewise related and so on forever and ever the terms and the relations multiplying like generations in geometrical proportion you will find all this maddening behaviour of relations described in mr bradley's appearance and reality pages nineteen to thirty four we started with a thing and its qualities and the relation between them and we have got an infinite regression but by the very fact that it possesses quality and that the qualities are possessed by it the thing is finite the qualities are finite and the relation between them is finite so that we have again the contradiction and dilemma of a finite set of terms and relations involving an infinite series of terms and relations a contradiction and dilemma which can only be avoided by taking both term and relation the thing and its qualities and whatever it is that makes them its qualities as appearances and not as realities apply the same argument to the supreme relations of subject and object of the self and its consciousness and the entire universe of the without and the within is revealed as an illusion and a contradiction and once more our flight is to the absolute as the only reality this conclusion is revolting to the intellectual conscience of men of science and to the common sense of the plain man however much it may delight the monist and the mystic to be thus driven into the bosom of his god we have seen how vitalism and pragmatism have tried to escape it and wherein they have failed 
it must i think be owned that the new realism is more successful end of chapter six part one section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine